Hello, friends. Josh Rice, producing artistic director of Shake on the Lake here. And much like Ebenezer Scrooge, I must admit, I am not a fan of Christmas time. And for many of us, given everything 2020 has thrown at us, it has been hard to summon the spirit of the holiday season. But I must say, working on a Christmas carol never fails to help me find the joy and spirit of the holidays. I first came to the Charles Dickens novella late in life, but instantly fell in love with the language, humor, and tone. It's a ghost story. It's dark, emotional, and ends with a kind of redemption. It's a human story told through a supernatural lens. It's transformative and affirms the humanity within us. And much like 2020, it often takes tragic and horrific events to instigate change in us individually and collectively. After experiencing tenderness and horror, Scrooge sees what he has become and knows he can be better and better others less fortunate than himself. He ends up understanding a deeper truth to care for your fellow human and pay your blessings forward. I urge all of us to take a deep breath, look around, and remind ourselves that we are all passengers on this journey together, lonely and disheartening as 2020 has been. But when we take time to give of ourselves to others, to listen, to empathize, to donate, to remind those closest yet socially distanced from us that they are loved, then I think we are truly getting at the heart of what Dickens envisioned Christmas time to be. A time when we freely open our shut up hearts to one another. Although this is not the live theatrical version of A Christmas Carol we have become accustomed to staging at our theater year after year, I want to thank you for downloading this podcast play adaptation of the haunted holiday classic. The efforts of our actors and audio engineers collaborating across distance from our respective quarantines is nothing short of remarkable. I am proud of this play, and I hope it brings you as much joy listening to it as it did us making it. From the bottom of my heart, I wish you a happy and safe holiday. A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens We have endeavored in this ghostly little play to raise the ghost of an idea. Which shall not put our listeners out of humor with themselves, with each other, with the season, or with us. May it haunt your houses pleasantly. Stave one. Marley was dead to begin with. Dead as a doornail. There is no doubt whatsoever about that. Mind you, I don't know what there is particularly dead about a doornail. I might have been inclined myself to regard a coffin nail as the deadest piece of ironmongery in the trade. But the wisdom of our ancestors is in the simile, and our unhallowed hands shall not disturb it, or else the country's done for. You will therefore permit us to repeat emphatically that Marley was as dead, dead as a doornail. Now, 
If we were not perfectly convinced that Hamlet's father died before the play began, there'd be nothing remarkable about his taking a stroll in the dead of Denmark night to astonish his son's weak mind. Did Scrooge know Marley was dead? Of course he did. How could it be otherwise? Scrooge and Marley were partners for I don't know how many years. Scrooge's name was signed upon Marley's register of burial. He was the sole executor, his sole friend, and his sole mourner at his funeral. Though Scrooge was not so dreadfully caught up by the sad event. The mention of Marley's funeral brings me back to the point we started from. There is no doubt that Marley was dead. This must be distinctly understood, or nothing wonderful can come of the story we're about to relate. And this is the story of Ebenezer Scrooge. He was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, Scrooge. A squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. The cold within him froze his old features, nipped his pointed nose, shriveled his cheek, stiffened his gait, made his eyes red, his lips blue, and spoke out shrewdly in his grating voice. No warmth could warm him, no wintry weather could chill him, no wind that blew was bitterer than he. The heaviest rain and snow and hail and sleet could boast of the advantage over him in only one respect. They often came down handsomely, and Scrooge never did. Pudding! Fresh plum pudding! Meat pies! Get your meat pies in! Grouse! Turkey grouse! Three shillings a pound! God save you, John! <laughs> Merry Christmas, my dear! <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and yours! And a Happy New Year! Once upon a time, Of all the good days in the year, on Christmas Eve, old Scrooge made his way through the streets to his old counting house. Nobody ever stopped him in the street to say, My dear Scrooge, how are you? Ugh, I was fine until I saw you. No beggars implored him. Spare a trifle, sir? Get a job, street rat. No children asked him. What was it o'clock? Oh, time for you to bugger off. But what did Scrooge care? It was the very thing he liked. To edge his way along the crowded paths of life, warning all human sympathy to keep its distance. On this Christmas Eve, a cold, bleak, and biting weather, Scrooge arrived to his counting house and locked himself within. He could hear the people in the court outside stamping their feet upon the pavement and the carolers singing their songs for all to hear. Christmas time. What is Christmas time but a time for paying bills without money? A time for finding yourself a year older but not an hour richer? A time for remembering those you are indebted to by growing deeper in debt? Out upon Christmas, that's what I say. Bah, humbug! A Merry Christmas, Uncle! God save you! It was the voice of Scrooge's nephew, Fred, who came upon him so quickly that this was the first intimation he had of his approach. Bah, humbug. Christmas a humbug, Uncle? Surely you don't mean that. I do. Merry Christmas. What right have you to be merry? You're poor enough. Come then, Uncle. What right have you to be dismal? You're rich enough. Bah, humbug. I have always thought of Christmas time as a good time. A kind, forgiving, charitable, pleasant time. 
the only time I know of in the long calendar of the year, when men and women open their shut-up hearts freely to one another. And therefore, uncle, though it has never put a scrap of gold or silver in my pocket, I believe that it has done me good and will do me good. I say God bless it. The clerk in the other room, Bob Cratchit by name, involuntarily applauded. Scrooge turned his crooked old face to Bob and said, Let me hear another sound from you and you'll keep your Christmas by losing your situation. He turned back to his young nephew, saying, (laughs) You're quite the powerful speaker, sir. I wonder you don't go into Parliament. Don't be cross, uncle. What else can I be when I live in a world of fools such as this? If I could work my will, every idiot that goes about with Merry Christmas on his lips would be boiled in his own pudding and buried with a stick of holly through his heart. Uncle. Nephew, you keep Christmas in your own way and I'll keep it in mine. But you don't keep it. Let me leave it alone then. Don't be angry, Uncle. (sighs) Good afternoon, nephew. Come have dinner with us tomorrow. Good afternoon. I am sorry with all my heart to find you so resolute, but I shall keep my Christmas spirit to the last, so a Merry Christmas to you, Uncle. Good afternoon, nephew. And a Happy New Year. Good afternoon! Talking about a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, humbug. I shall retire to Bedlam with the lunatics. Speaking of lunatics, What is your business here? Do I have the pleasure of addressing Mr. Scrooge or Mr. Marley? Yes. I'm afraid I don't quite understand. Yes, the pleasure is yours, and Mr. Marley died seven years ago this very night. I have no doubt his liberality is well represented by his surviving partner. In this festive season, Mr. Scrooge, when want is keenly felt and abundance rejoices, we are collecting donations to provide the poor and the destitute with food, clothing, and shelter. What shall I put you down for? Nothing. Oh, of course, you wish to remain anonymous. Very good. I wish to be left alone. Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? My taxes pay for those establishments and they cost enough. The poor must go there. But most would rather die than go there. If they would rather die, they had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Good day. Seeing clearly that it would be useless to pursue the point, the gentleman withdrew. Scrooge resumed his labors with an improved opinion of himself. Bah! Humbug. I don't make merry myself at Christmas. I can't afford to make idle people merry. (laughs) It's not my business to meddle in the affairs of others. It's enough for a man to understand his own business. (laughs) Mine occupies me constantly. Meanwhile, the fog and darkness thickened so. At length, the hour of shutting up the counting house arrived. With an ill will, Scrooge dismounted from his stool. Bob Cratchit saw this and instantly snuffed out his candle and put on his hat. You'll want all day tomorrow, I suppose? If it's quite convenient, sir. Well, it's not convenient, and it's not fair. If I was to dock you half a crown from your pay for it, you'd think yourself ill-used, I'll be bound. And yet, you don't think me ill-used when I pay a day's wages for no work. But Christmas comes only once a year, sir. 
A poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. Yes, sir. But I suppose you must have the whole day. Be here all the earlier the next morning. Yes, sir. Merry Christmas, Mr. Scrooge. The shop was closed in a twinkling. Bob, with his comforter dangling below his waist, went down a slide on Cornhill at the end of a lane of boys, 20 times, in honor of its being Christmas Eve, and then ran home to Camden Town as hard as he could pelt. Oh, all right, boys, Merry Christmas! And Scrooge... Scrooge took his melancholy dinner in his usual melancholy tavern, and then went home to his melancholy bed. Scrooge lived in chambers which had once belonged to his deceased partner, They were a gloomy suite of rooms. It was cold enough now, and dreary enough, for nobody lived in it but Scrooge. Now it is a fact that there was nothing at all particular about the knocker on the door, except that it was very large. It was also a fact that Scrooge had seen it night and morning during his whole residence in that place. So let any man explain to me how it happened that Scrooge, having his key in the lock of the door, saw in the knocker, not a knocker, but the face of his deceased partner, Marley. Marley. No. Ah. Now, get a hold of yourself, old man. Come now. Enough of this foolishness. Scrooge turned to look, and it was a knocker again. He put his hand upon the key, opened the door, and walked in and lighted his candle. He did pause for a moment's irresolution and looked cautiously behind the door. But there was nothing there except the screws and nuts that held the knocker on. Bah, humbug. He closed the door. Every room above and below echoed. Scrooge was not a man frightened by echoes, and so he made his way, slowly, up the stairs. Before turning into his room, Scrooge walked through the house to see that all was right. Nothing under the table. Mm. Nobody under the sofa. Mm. Nobody under the bed. And nobody in the closet. Satisfied, Scrooge closed his door and locked himself in. Double locked himself in. Which was not his custom. (laughs) Scrooge changed into his dressing gown and sat before the fire. Ghosts. (laughs) Humbug. Hello? Come now. I'm in no mood for this. Who's there? I demand that you make yourself known! double-locked door of Scrooge's room, there came a spirit, and upon turning to see the ghostly figure, Scrooge saw the same face, the very same. Marley, in his waistcoat, tights, and boots. The chain he drew was clasped about his middle, and it was made of cash boxes, keys, padlocks, and ledgers, deeds, and purses wrought in steel. 
his body transparent so that when Scrooge observed him, he could see clear through to the door on the other side. Scrooge felt the chilling influence of Marley's death-cold eyes and marked the very texture of the folded kerchief bound about its head and chin. A kerchief which, it appeared, had the spirit's jaw in place. How now, spirit? What do you want with me? Whoosh. Who are you? Ask me who I was. <coughs> who were you then? Your particular first shade. In life, I was your partner, Jacob Marley. Can you... Can you sit down? I can. Do it then. The ghost sat down on the opposite side of the fireplace, as if he were quite used to it. Scrooge watched as he took his seat, almost perfectly normal save for the bits of dead hair that clumped about his shoulders and the skin that hung off his bones so brittle and flaking as if he were himself encased in a body bag of flesh. You don't believe in me? I don't. Why do you doubt your senses? Because a little thing affects them. A slight disorder of the stomach makes them cheat. You may be an undigested bit of beef, a blot of mustard, a crumb of cheese, a fragment of an underdone potato. There's more of gravy than of the grave about you, whatever you are. Marley sat in silence for a moment. Though perfectly motionless, his hair, skirt, and tassels were still agitated as if from a hot vapor of an oven. Scrooge observed Marley's fingernails, ragged and covered in dirt and blood. It was as if Marley had scratched and clawed his way out of the very grave in which he slept. And then... Scrooge watched as the phantom took off the bandage round its head its lower jaw now dropping from its face down upon its breast. In his mouth, rotted teeth, a tongue covered in lesions, ground spotted and half-eaten by worms, and breath that stink of death. Mercy! This dreadful apparition, why do you trouble me? Do you believe in me or not? I do, I do, I, 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 I must. But why, why do you come to me? How it is that I appear before you in a shape that you can see, I may not tell. I have sat invisible beside you for many and many a day. That is no light part of my penance. Woe, woe is me. Oh, you, you are fettered. Tell me why. I wear the chain I forged in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. And of my own free will, I wore it. Is its pattern strange to you? Or would you know the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It was as heavy and as long as this seven Christmas Eves ago, and you have labored on it since. It is a ponderous chain. Oh, oh, J Jacob. Old Jacob Marley. Tell me more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. I have none to give, nor can I tell you all that I would. Very little time is permitted me. Oh, look upon me, Ebenezer, captive, bound in double irons. No space of regret can make amends for one life's opportunities misused. 
Yet such was I. Oh, such was I. But, 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 but you are always a, a, a good man of business, Jacob. Business? Mankind was my business. The common welfare was my business. Charity, mercy, forbearance, and benevolence were all my business. The At this time, the only care I suffer most. Why did I walk through crowds of fellow beings with my eyes turned down and never raised them? And now my time is nearly gone. I am here tonight to warn you that you have yet a chance and hope of escaping my fate. A chance and hope of my procuring Ebenezer. You, you are always a good friend to me, Jacob. Thank you. You will be haunted by three spirits. Is this the chance and hope you mentioned, Jacob? It is. I think I'd rather not. Without their visits, you cannot hope to shun the path I tread. Expect the first tomorrow when the bell tolls one. Oh, the first? Couldn't I take them all at once, Jacob, and, and, and have it over? Expect the second or the next night at the same hour. The third upon the next night when the last stroke of twelve has ceased to vibrate. Look to see me no more, and look that, for your own sake, you remember what has passed between us. When it said these words, the spectre took its wrapper from the table and bound it round its head as before. Scrooge knew this by the smart sound its teeth made when the jaws were brought together again by the bandage. Marley walked backward from Scrooge, approaching the window. Each step the sound of Marley's decaying body snapping and cracking as if at any moment he may snap completely in two. He beckoned Scrooge to approach. Scrooge heard the sounds of lamentation and regret, wailings of inexpressible sorrow. Marley listened for a moment and then floated out upon the bleak dark night. Scrooge looked out the window to see the air filled with phantoms, every one of them wearing chains like Marley's ghost. The spirits and their voices faded together, and the night became as it had when he walked home. Scrooge closed the window, and being from the emotion he had undergone or the fatigues of the day, he went straight to bed and fell asleep upon the instant. Meat pies! Get your local delicious dual-purpose organic beef to make your meat pies at Butter Meat Co. A local small business in Perry, New York that has a boutique feel with small town appeal. Started by dairy farmers who realize the importance of sustainable agriculture and tasty buttery meat at the same time, Buttermeat is like a two-for-one deal, but better. A regular single-purpose beef cow produces a mere 600 pounds of beef over the course of its short lifespan. But dual-purpose buttermeat cows produce not only beef, but milk, cheese, and butter, averaging over 80,000 pounds of product over the course of their longer lives. And the longer the cow ages, the tastier the beef. It's half the environmental impact with double the flavor. And the best part, Butter Meat Co. can ship any of their organic beef products to anywhere in the continental United States. And just for the holidays, use the promo code UMBUG to get 10% off your order. 
That's promo code HUMBUG to get 10% off your purchase this holiday season. For more information, visit buttermeatco.com or check them out on Instagram at buttermeatco. What do you think, Tongany Tim? God bless cows, everyone! You'll count your blessings too when you shop at buttermeatco.com. Stave 2 The hour bell sounded with a deep, dull, hollow melancholy. One. The curtains of Scrooge's bed were drawn aside, and Scrooge found himself face to face with an unearthly visitor. <gasps> Are you the spirit whose coming was foretold to me? I am. Who and what are you? I am the ghost of Christmas past. Long past? No, your past. What business brings you here? Your welfare. Well, I, I thank you. But I think a night of unbroken rest would have been more conducive to that end. Your reclamation, then. Take heed, rise, and walk with me. It was a strange figure. Like a child, yet not so like a child as an old man. Its hair was white with age, and yet the face had not a wrinkle in it. It wore a tunic of the purest white, and round its waist was bound a lustrous belt, the sheen of which was beautiful. But the strangest thing about it was that from the crown of its head there sprang a bright, clear jet of light by which all this was visible. <laughs> I am mortal and liable to fall. Bear but the touch of my hand there and you shall be upheld in more than this. Scrooge hesitated a moment and looked upon the spirit with increasing steadiness. Scrooge took the spirit's hand, and as the words were spoken, they passed through the wall and stood upon an open country road with fields on either hand. The city had vanished entirely. Good heavens! <laughs> I grew up in this place. I, I, I was a boy here. Do you recollect the way? Remember it. I could walk it blindfolded. Strange to have forgotten it for so many years. Your lip is trembling. And what is that upon your cheek? It is a pimple. Nothing more. Lead me where you will. They walked along the road, Scrooge recognizing every gate. I remember that gate. Post. Oh, heavens! My favorite post! And tree. <laughs> that old elm tree, look there! They soon approached a mansion of dull red brick, Scrooge's old schoolhouse. They entered, and at one of the lonely desks was a boy reading near a feeble fire. Scrooge wept to see his poor forgotten self as he used to be. Oh, spirit. I know him. <clears throat> it is myself as a child. Of quite alone upon Christmas Eve. <laughs> I, I, at least I had my friends. Alibaba. Falstaff and, and Robinson Crusoe. Oh, poor child. I wish that I, uh, 
What's the matter? <sighs> Nothing. <clears throat> Nothing. There was a boy. Much like you. I mean, me. He was singing a carol at my door last night. I would have liked to have given him something, that's all. Let us see another Christmas. There is nothing more to see. No matter the year, Christmas here were always the same. Dear brother, dear brother. Fan? <laughs> my dear sister Fan? <laughs> I have come to bring you home, dear brother. Home, little Fan. Home for good and all, home forever and ever. Father sent me in a coach to bring you. He is so much kinder than he used to be. He said you were to be a man and never come back to this school again. But first, we're to be together all the Christmas long and have the merriest time in the whole world. <laughs> you're, you're quite a woman, little fan. Fan embraced the young boy Scrooge and began to drag him towards the door and off towards home. Always a delicate creature, whom a breath might have withered, but she had a large heart. She died a woman and had, as I think, children. Mm. One child. True. Your nephew Fred. Yes. Come, Ebenezer. There is more to see. Although they had but that moment left the school behind them, they were now in the busy thoroughfare of a city. The ghost stopped at a certain warehouse door and asked Scrooge, Do you know it? <laughs> My place of first employment. I was an apprentice here. <laughs> My years working here were some of the best of my life. My goodness. Why, why that's old Fezziwig. Oh, bless his heart. It's Fezziwig, alive again. Oh, there, Ebenezer. No more work tonight, boy. Close up the shutters. It's Christmas Eve. <laughs> Clear the way, lad. Let's have lots of room here. Let our hearts be light and merry. Yes, of course. There were dances and more dances, and cake and a great piece of cold roast and mince pies and plenty of beer. Old Fezziwig stood out to dance with Mrs. Fezziwig. During the whole of this time, Scrooge had acted like a man out of his wits. His heart and soul were in the scene. Here we come a-wassailing among the leaves so green. Here we come a-wandering so fair to be seen. Love and joy come to you, and to you your wassail too. And God bless you and send you a happy new year. And God send you a happy When the clock struck eleven, the domestic ball broke up. It was not until now that Scrooge remembered the ghost, and became conscious that it was looking full upon him. It was a small matter to make you so full of gratitude. <laughs> small? Uh, there was nothing small about Mr. Fezziwig. Mm -mm. He was larger than life. He had the power to make us happy, light, and carefree. <laughs> The happiness he gives us is quite as great as if it cost a fortune. I. What's the matter? <clears throat> uh, nothing particular. I. I should like to say a word or two to my clerk Bob, just now. That's all. Come, my time grows short. There was another Christmas here some years later with a young lady. Again, Scrooge saw himself. He was older now, a man in the prime of his life. 
He was not alone, but sat by the side of a fair young girl in whose eyes there were tears. Belle. Oh, oh my, my beautiful Belle. Oh, oh, do not show me this Christmas spirit. I fear I will not bear it well. It matters little. Another idol has displaced me, a golden one. The pursuit of wealth is the even-handed dealing of the world. You fear the world too much. I have seen your nobler traits and aspirations disappear one by one. Gain has engrossed you. You weigh everything by gain. Even if I have grown so much wiser, what then? I'm not changed towards you, am I? Tell me, would you seek me out and try to win me now? Ah, no. You are changed. Changed in nature, in an altered spirit, in everything that made my love of any worth or value in your sight. Our love is an old one. It was made when we were both poor and content to be so. When it was made, you were another man. I was a boy! Your own feelings tell you that you are not what you were. So it is. With a full heart. For the love of the man you once were, I release you. Did I ever seek release? In words? No, never. In what, then? In what? With this, Belle removed her engagement ring and placed it in Scrooge's hand, saying, I release you. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. Spirit. Show me no more. Conduct me home. Why do you delight to torture me? One more shadow. I wish to see no more. But the relentless ghost forced him to observe what happened next. They were in another seed in place, a room full of comfort. Near to the winter fire sat a beautiful young girl, so like the last that Scrooge believed it was the same until he saw her. Belle. Now a comely matron sitting opposite her daughter. Surrounded by children as she was, Scrooge was in disbelief. It was then another man entered the house, Belle's husband as it was, who said, Belle, guess who I saw this afternoon? Oh, Tut, I don't know. Was it Mr. Scrooge? Mr. Scrooge it was. I passed his office window and he had a candle inside so I could scarcely help seeing him. His partner lies upon the point of death, I hear. And there Scrooge sat, quite alone. Quite alone in the world, I do believe. Spirit, remove me from this place. These are the shadows of the things that have been. They are what they are. Do not blame me. Remove me. I cannot bear it. Haunt me no longer. Scrooge turned to the ghost, and seeing that it looked upon him with a face, in which, in some strange way, there were fragments Enough. of all the faces it had shown him. Enough, wrestled I with say. Him. No, no. Haunt me no longer. They are what they are. Leave me. Leave me now. I have had enough. Leave me. Leave me now. Get out. Remove me. I cannot bear it anymore. Please. They are, they are, they are. what they are. Do not blame me. Scrooge once again found himself in a heavy sleep.
This year, you don't have to travel the lengths of the Amazon to find the books you need. If you want to shop online but also stay local, visit thebibliothecafe.com and order your books from their special orders tab shipping right to your door just in time for the holidays. Your family will be thrilled at the titles you picked, and you, as well as your community, can be pleased that you supported a small, local business by shopping at their online store. Go to thebibliotechcafe.com for all your reading needs, because books always make the best gifts. Support independent bookstores. Shop locally online. Shop thebibliotechcafe.com. Support for this podcast comes from the Hole in the Wall Restaurant and Ration Wine Bar. For over a decade, Chef Travis Barlow and Jackie Billings have been bringing approachable, high-quality, fine wining and dining experiences at their restaurant and wine bar in Perry, New York. The Hole in the Wall Restaurant is open Tuesday through Saturday for dinners and curbside pickup and are always available to design the perfect private celebration for you and your family. And gift certificates make a great holiday gift. Visit holeinthewallperry.com for more information. If you're in more of a snack and wine mood, Ration Wine Bar serves thirsty, hungry customers seven days a week, all year long. Whether it's Sunday brunch, happy hour, or a happy evening out. Looking for the perfect gift for the wine lover in your life? How about signing up for our monthly wine club? Visit rationwinebar.com for more information. Happy holidays from the Hole in the Wall Restaurant and Ration Wine Bar. Stave three. He awoke suddenly, gathering his thoughts together. <laughs> All right, let's go. Come on, come on, come here. Come here, you. Take me through my past again. No, you won't. Where are you? Come here. Come here, you. I have you again. Come to me, spirit. Hmm? Be you a baby? Be you a Rhinoceros? Come! I'm prepared for anything. Five minutes. Ten minutes. A quarter of an hour went by, and yet nothing came. Nothing? I wasn't prepared for that. At last, however, he began to think that his visitor might be in the adjoining room from which was emanating a ghostly light. He got up and softly shuffled to the door. The moment his hand was on the lock, a strange voice called to him by his name and bade him enter. Ebenezer Scrooge? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> come in! Come in! And know me better, man! The room was his, no doubt, but changed. A surprising transformation. The walls and ceiling so hung with living green, bright gleaming berries glistening, crisp leaves of holly and mistletoe, and a mighty blaze roaring in the hearth. <laughs> come in! Come in! A great feast lay before him, and in an easy state upon his couch, there sat a jolly giant who bore a glowing torch wearing a simple green robe bordered with white fur. Who are you? I am the ghost of Christmas present! Its dark brown curls were long and free, 
Free as its genial face, its sparkling eye, its open hand, its cheery voice. You've never seen the like of me before. <laughs> uh, never. <laughs> Have you never walked forth with the younger members of my family? My elder brothers. I don't think I have. <laughs> I'm afraid I have not. Have you had many brothers, Spirit? Oh, more than 1,800. <laughs> <laughs> a, a tremendous family to provide for. <laughs> a good Catholic family, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Spirit, conduct me where you will. Last night, I, I learned a lesson which is working now. Tonight, if you want to teach me, let me profit by it. Touch my robe. In that instant, Scrooge was flying through the snow-covered streets of London, with the people shoveling away. All the while, in the windows of the butchers, the greengrocers, the bakers, filled with delicate treats and spices and the spoils of the Christmas season. The ghost led on, straight to the house of Scrooge's clerk, Bob Cratchit. Is this Bob Cratchit's house? It is. Come. Know you as family? No. No, I, I don't. So, you see Mrs. Cratchit, and there Belinda, the second of her daughters, and, and, and over there is Master Peter Cratchit, tending to the saucepan of potatoes. There come two young ones, a boy and a girl. Look now, here comes Martha, not a moment too soon. He's such a large family spirit. And only on 15 Bob a week. See there, here comes Bob with his youngest boy, Tiny Tim. Does he carry a crutch, Spirit? That he does, and his limbs supported by an iron frame. Scrooge and the Spirit watched as the family, as joyous as ever, readied for their feast. The two young Cratchits went to fetch the goose, which with they soon returned in high procession. Once all were settled, Bob stood to raise a toast. It is this time of year that reminds me of how thankful I am. For this bountiful feast and for you, my dears, my family. Tim told me today, somehow he gets thoughtful sitting by himself so much. He told me that because he was crippled, he hoped the people in church saw him, that it might be pleasant to them to remember. Upon this Christmas day, who made lame beggars walk? and blind men see. He's growing strong and hearty, he is. To my arts, to our health, and to the founder of the feast, Mr. Scrooge. The founder of the feast, indeed, cried Mrs. Cratchit. I wish I had him here. I'd give him a piece of my mind to feast upon. My dear, the, the children, it's Christmas Day. It should be Christmas Day on which one drinks the health of such an odious, stingy, hard, unfeeling man as Mr. Scrooge. My dear, please. Christmas Day. I'll drink for his health for your sake and the days. Not for his. Long life to him. He'll be very merry and happy, I have no doubt. They all drank to the toasts, and it was the first of their proceedings which had no hardiness. The mention of Scrooge's name cast a dark shadow on the party, which was not dispelled for a full five minutes. They cleared the remains of their goose and made way for the Christmas pudding and reveled in the glow of the fire. It was then Bob once more raised his glass and proposed. A Merry Christmas to us all, my dears. God bless us. God bless us, everyone, said Tiny Tim, the last of all. He sat very close to his father's side upon his little stool. Spirit. Tell me if Tiny Tim will live. 
I see a vacant seat in the poor chimney corner and a crutch without an owner carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. No. No. Oh, kind spirit, say he will be spared. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, none other of my race will find him here. What then? If he be like to die, he have better to do it and decrease the surplus population. Scrooge hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penitence and grief. By this time, it was getting dark and snowing pretty heavily. As Scrooge and the spirit went along the streets, it was a surprise for him to hear a hearty laugh and a much greater surprise to recognize the laugh as his own nephew's. Scrooge found himself in a bright and gleaming room looking at that same nephew. Fred's house. He invites me every year to share in his holiday festivities, but, but I never come. I should very much like to see this. Thank, thank you for bringing me spirit. <laughs> he said that Christmas was a humbug as I live. <laughs> and he believed it too. <laughs> Oh, he's a comical old fellow, that's the truth. However, I have nothing to say against him. He may be rich, but his wealth is of no use to him. He doesn't do good with it. He doesn't make himself comfortable with it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I have patience with him. I'm sorry for him. I couldn't be angry with him if I tried. Who suffers by his ill whims? Himself, always. He takes to dislike us and will not dine with us, make merry with us, though I invite him every year whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. But enough about his humbuggery. Let's play a game. A game? Oh, I love games. It's called Yes and No. I am thinking of something or someone. You must ask questions to guess what, but I can only answer yes or no. Ah, wondrous. Simply wondrous. Ah, uh, is it an animal? Is it an animal? Yes. A dead animal? A wild animal? No. But are they disagreeable? Are they disagreeable? Hey, I was asking that. Yes. Is it a donkey? <laughs> a donkey? Ridiculous. It's a cow, isn't it? No. <laughs> I told you so. What about a bear? Not a bear. Oh, is it an animal you kill in a market? Do you eat this animal? No. Is it a man? An animal is a human being. Is it a man? Stop stealing my questions. It is man. But th that's my point, Fred. You heard me ask you it first. You made this one too hard, Fred. Come on, don't give up. It's obvious. A rooster. What do you say? A rooster. You just said it's a man. You see, Fred, this is why I don't come on. Your friends are quite hey, hey, calm down. Calm down. It's only a game. <laughs> I am the master at games, and you're messing us all up. It's okay. You're almost there. I can feel it. Is this man well-liked? <sighs> Not really. Oh, brilliant. Uh, is it a member of parliament? A king, is it? No. Oh, oh heavens. I've got it. Have you? <laughs> you have not. Uh, don't yes. lie. Yes, I think I do. Come now, that's a bluff. Well, don't leave us in suspense. Tell us. An animal. A man, in fact. Not well-liked. Disagreeable, in fact. And not a donkey, or a bear, or anything of the sort. So, who else can it be? Well, out with it. It's your Uncle Scrooge. Yes, ding, 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 we have a winner. <laughs> 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 
Yes, yes, very humorous, Fred. I suppose I brought that upon myself. Oh, he has given us plenty of merriment, but it would be ungrateful of us not to toast to his health. To Uncle Scrooge. To Uncle to Scrooge. Uncle Scrooge. To Uncle Scrooge. A Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year to the old man, wherever he is. He wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nevertheless. <laughs> Clever boy. And good-humoured, too. Much like his mother. And I'm beginning to see why people like this Christmas. <coughs> Come. My life upon this globe is brief. It ends tonight. It was strange to Scrooge that while he remained unaltered in his outward form, the ghost grew older. Scrooge had observed this change, but never spoke of it. But now he noticed that the spirit's hair had turned gray. Forgive me if I am not justified in what I ask, but... Uh, 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 spirit, I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is, is it a foot or a claw? It might be a claw, for flesh there is upon it. Look here. From the foldings of its robe, it brought two children. <laughs> wretched, <laughs> abject, frightful. They knelt down at its feet and clung upon its garment. <laughs> Look here. No, please, please. Shh, no, no, no. Look down. No, no, no. They cling to me. They were a boy and a girl. Yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, and wolfish. Where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints. A stale and shriveled hand like that of age, had pinched and twisted them and pulled them into shreds. They were monsters, dreadful and horrible. Are they yours? No, they are man's. This boy is ignorance. This girl is want. Beware them both. And all of their degree, but most of all, beware this boy. For on his brow I see that written witch is doomed. <laughs> Unless the writing be erased, deny it, slander those who tell it see. Admit it for your factious purposes and make it worse. And bide the end. Have they no refuge or resource? Are there no prisons? Are there no workhouses? The bell struck twelve. Scrooge looked about him for the ghost and saw it not. As the last stroke ceased to vibrate, he remembered the prediction of old Jacob Marley, and lifting up his eyes, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, coming like a mist along the ground towards him.
This podcast is supported by the Silver Lake Brewing Project, a locally owned independent brewery in Perry, New York. Every day is like Christmas morning when you unwrap the bold but clean flavor profiles of their rustic farmhouse style craft beers. And with 11 of their own beers on tap available in the tap room or for curbside pickup, you'll be caroling along with their 11 craft beer styles of Christmas. 11 sours puckering, 10 brown ales malting, 9 pale ales hopping, 8 mixed fermentations, 7 kolsch's lagering, 6 goza's salting, 5 IPAs, 4 Belgian blondes, 3 pilsners, 2 chocolate stouts, and a standard cream ale. For more information, visit silverlakebrewingproject.com. That's silverlakebrewingproject.com. Day four. The spirit was shrouded in a deep black garment, which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing visible save an outstretched hand. I am in the presence of the ghost of Christmas yet to come. The spirit answered not, but pointed onward with its hand. You are about to show me shadows of the things that have not happened but will happen in the time before us. Is, Is that so, spirit? Although well used to the ghostly company by this time, Scrooge feared the silent shape so much that his legs trembled beneath him and found that he could hardly stand. I fear you more than any specter I have seen. But as I know your purpose is to do me good, and as I hope to live to be another man from what I was, I am prepared to bear your company and do it with a thankful heart. Will you not speak to me? It gave him no reply. The hand was pointed straight before them. Lead on, lead on. The night is is waning fast and it is precious time to me, I know. Lead on, spirit. They scarcely seemed to enter the city, but there they were in the heart of it. The spirit stopped beside one little knot of businessmen. Observing the hand was pointed to them, Scrooge advanced to listen to their talk. When did he die? Last night, I believe. What has he done with his money? He hasn't left it to me, that's all I know. (laughs) It's likely to be a very cheap funeral, for upon my life, I don't know of anybody who'd go to it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I would go if lunch was provided. (laughs) (laughs) I know those men. I do business with them. The phantom glided into a street in another part of town where Scrooge had never been before. The shops and houses wretched, the people half-naked, drunken, and ugly. The whole quarter reeked with filth and misery. The spirit pointed its finger to two persons meeting. Old Scratch has got his own at last, eh? So I'm told. Open that bundle, old Joe, and let me know the value of it. Who's the worst for the loss of a few things like these? Not a dead man, I suppose. What you call these? Bed curtains? 
You don't mean to say you took him down rings and all with him lying right there. Yes, I do. Why not? And his blankets. <laughs> he isn't likely to take cold without him, I dare say. <laughs> take a look at that shirt, too. You wouldn't find a hole in it, nor a threadbare place. <laughs> but they're not up to have buried it, I suppose. But I took it off again. <laughs> Scrooge listened in horror. Spirit. I see. I see. The case of this unhappy man might be my own. My life tends that way now. This is a fearful place. Let us go. The ghost conducted him through several streets familiar to his feet. They entered poor Bob Cratchit's house to find mother and children gathered round the fire. Shortly, Bob entered, his children running to greet him. Mrs. Cratchit spoke to her husband. Sunday. You went today then, Robert? Yes, my dear. I wish you could have gone. It would have done you good to see how green a place it is. But you'll see it often. I promised him that I would walk there on a Sunday. My little, little child. Scrooge looked to the spirit for comfort. Please, spirit. Show me no more. I beg you. The spirit conveyed him as before through the streets, past Scrooge's house and his office, until they stopped. A churchyard. Here, then, the wretched man whose name he had now to learn lay underneath the ground. The spirit stood among the graves and pointed down to one. Before I draw near to that stone to which you point, answer me one question. Are these the shadows of the things that will be? Or are they shadows of things that may be only? Men's courses will foreshadow certain ends to which if persevered in, they must lead. But if the courses be departed from, the ends will change. Say it thus with what you show me. The spirit was immovable as ever. Scrooge crept towards it, trembling as he went. Following the finger, read upon the stone of the neglected grave his own name. Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, oh, no. Spirit, no. No, hear me. I am not the man I was. I, I will not be the man I must have been. But for this, it's a cost. Why show me this if I have passed all hope? Show me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me. I will honor Christmas in my heart and try to keep it all the year. I will live in the past, the present, and the future. The spirits of all three shall strive within me. I will not shut out the lessons that they teach. Oh, oh tell me that I may sponge away the writing on this stone. In his agony, he caught the spectral hand. The spirit repulsed him and Scrooge saw in the phantom's hood an alteration. May you be happy in the life you have chosen. They are what they are. Mr. Scrooge? shrunk, collapsed, and dwindled down into a bedpost. 
Yes. The bedpost was his own. The room was his own. Scrooge awoke from his bed, his face wet with tears. I am here. I am here. I, I, I don't know what to do. I, I am as light as a feather. I, I am as happy as an angel. I am as merry as a schoolboy. I, 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 I am as kitty as a drunken man. Oh, Merry Christmas. Wait, wait, wait. I, I don't know what day of the month it is. I, I don't know how long I've been among the spirits. I, 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 I don't know anything. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm quite a baby. Oh, never mind. I don't care. I'd, I'd rather be a baby. <laughs> ah. Hello. Scrooge was Ooh. at the window. Hello there. No fog, no mist. Clear, bright, jovial. His face covered in golden sunlight. He spotted a boy down below in his Sunday clothes. What's today? Today? Why, it's Christmas Day. Ah, yes, it's Christmas Day. I haven't missed it. The spirits have done it all in one night. They can do anything they like. Of course they can. Of course they can. Ah, my fine fellow, do you know the poulterers on the next street at the corner? I should hope I did. Oh, an intelligent boy. A remarkable boy. Do you know whether they've sold the prize turkey that was hanging up there? Not the little prize turkey, the big one. The one as big as me? It's hanging there now. Go and buy it. Tell him to bring it here that I may give them direction on where to take it. Come back with the man and I'll give you a shilling. Ah, come back with him in less than five minutes. I'll give you half a crown. Oh, boy. I'll give it to Bob Cratchit. Oh. <laughs> yes, I'll give it to Bob Cratchit, and he shan't know who sends it. Scrooge dressed himself all in his best, and at last made its way out to the streets. As he left his home, the knocker caught his eye. Oh, I shall love it, as long as I live. What an honest expression it has in its face. It's a wonderful knocker. Mwah! The boy returned, and Scrooge offered him directions, and then made his way past the crowds of people he'd seen the night before with the ghost of Christmas present. He regarded everyone with a delighted smile. Ah, good morning, sir. A Merry Christmas to you. He had not gone far before he came across the portly gentleman who had walked into his counting house the day before. Ah, my dear sir, how do you do? Mr. Scrooge? Yes, that is my name and I fear may not be pleasant to you. Allow me to ask your pardon. Whatever the largest donation you've received, allow me to double the payment. No, triple it. Not a farthing less. And a great many back payments are included in it, I assure you. Mr. Scrooge, are you serious? I don't know what to say. Shh, don't say anything, please. Come and see me. Will you come and see me? I will. Oh, thank you. I am much obliged to you. I thank you 50 times. Bless you. Scrooge walked about the streets, watching people hurrying to and fro, and had never dreamed that any walk could give him so much happiness. He turned his steps toward his nephew's house. <laughs> Why, bless my soul. Who's that? It is I, your Uncle Scrooge. I have come to dinner. Will you let me in, Fred? Let him in. Wonderful, wonderful happiness. Merry Christmas, Uncle. Oh, Merry Christmas, nephew. Mwah! 
And with that, Scrooge felt like he was home. Nothing could be heartier. Nothing could be happier. The next morning, Scrooge set his heart upon arriving early to the office, as to be there first and catch Bob Cratchit coming late. And he did it. Yes, he did. The clock struck nine. No Bob. A quarter past. No Bob. He was a full 18 minutes and a half behind his time. Hello. <gasps> what do you mean by coming here at this time of day? I am very sorry, sir. You are! Yes, I think you are. Step this way, if uh, you it, please. It's, it's only once a year, sir. It shall not be repeated. I was making rather merry yesterday, sir. Now, I'll tell you what, my friend. I'm not going to stand this sort of thing any longer. And therefore, I am going to raise your salary. Bob trembled and got a little nearer to the ruler and had a momentary idea of knocking Scrooge down with it and calling to the people in the courtyard for help and a straitjacket. Mr. Scrooge, sir? <sighs> Merry Christmas, Bob. A merrier Christmas, Bob, my good fellow, than I have given you for many a year. I'll raise your salary and endeavor to assist your struggling family, and we will discuss your affairs this very <laughs> afternoon Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, bless you, Mr. Scrooge. A Merry Christmas to you. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim. Who did not die. He was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew or any other good old city, town, or borough in the good old world. It was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge. May that be truly said of us, and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God, God bless, bless us, us, everyone. Shake on the Lake presents A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, written and adapted by Vinnie Mraz. Directed by Josh Rice. Produced and engineered by Sarah Stabley and Josh Marks. Sound design by Josh Marks. Podcast graphic design by Kat Quo. Music by Yakov Goleman, Peter Rudenko, Taylor Hayward, Craig Duncan, Lindsay Sterling, Maria Chan, and Dion Key. Starring Fergie Philippe as Ebenezer Scrooge and the Ghost of Christmas Present. Ashley Wingfield as the narrator, Jacob Marley, Mr. Fezziwig, Mrs. Cratchit, Portly, and Old Joe. Madeline Dower as the caroler, Fred, the solicitor, Bob Cratchit, the ghost of Christmas past, Fan, Belle, Slender, Mrs. Dilber, and Turkey Boy. Executive produced by Shake on the Lake. Support for this program is provided by the National Endowment for the Arts and the New York State Council on the Arts Theater Program. Additional support provided by the Conable Family Foundation, Norm Gayford and Mary Conable, Bill Heller, and Angelica Community Radio. This project is made possible with funds from the Decentralization Program, a re-grant program of the New York State Council on the Arts with the support of Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature, administered by the Tri-County Arts Council. To make donations, please visit www.shakeonthelake.org. To you and yours, happy holidays from Shake on the Lake.